0: Red. Jim. Have you ever seen a hippo have a shit? I have never seen a hippo have a shit.
1: You never seen a hippopotamus, the animal, have a shit? I have never seen a hippopotamus have a shit. Is it a large shit? I would assume a large shit. It's
0: it's more about dispersal than volume. Oh, so it's just sprays? Well, let me let me explain the mechanics. And I'm I'm only gonna say this to you once, and it's probably the only time I'm ever gonna say it to anyone. But <laughs> Do yourself a favour and look up up Hippopotamus, he's shitting on YouTube. It's a delight. So I remember this from documentaries when I was a kid. Hippopotamus, like many animals, has has a tail just above its anus, Conrad. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now this tail swings back and forth. Oh. Mm-hmm. Like some sort of windshield wiper device, except it's not cleaning windows. <laughs> oh no. It's dirtying literally everything. It it, <laughs> it like it, it's it basically a hippopotamus's rear end is literally the pit and the pendulum because that thing swings back and forth as the shit is spraying out and it is like a sprinkler in the summer just <laughs> it's beautiful it's one of nature's miracles
1: (laughs) oh my god that is uh yeah i'm definitely gonna have to look that what a way to to open the show
0: well i mean you know we were watching jumanji 2 the next level where jumanji takes it to the next level
1: is that accurate would you say that it takes it to the next level ah I mean, it's
0: factually true, because in the story they go to the next level, so I think factually it is accurate. It's it's like, um, it's 100% medically accurate, like the human centipede.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I liked this movie. I don't know if I liked it as much as Welcome to the Jungle, which I really, just really deeply enjoyed. And I think part of that is a lot of this is... There's a lot of retread of ground, right? A lot of jokes are sort of remixed. Yeah. Because of the new context of characters in this situation. And so some of that is like, okay, yeah, I get this. And yes, this is funny. But I feel like these jokes are kind of the same. It was really interesting... Um, from the standpoint of the reactions of these new characters. That I I liked a lot to this environment. Um, Because, you know, this is is a follow-up, and now we have uh, a grandfather, and you have two old men now inhabiting characters in this world, as opposed to a group of teenagers who are all, on some level, familiar with the mechanics of video games, right? Yeah. And so they're no longer explaining this for an audience who may not be familiar with video games. Because it's pretty clear from Go on this movie that their, exper- their expectation is you are well familiar with Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle.
0: Yeah. Well, the, the interesting thing is you, you talked about whether you enjoyed this film more than the last one. I think the first one is definitely a better film. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I feel like I laughed more at this one. Mm. However, I don't think I'd have laughed half as much as I did without the first film's context. The first film is the pitch for so many of the jokes that this one catches. And the first film caught them as well, and then just tossed them along to this one. Um, But, you know, a, a lot of the joke is in seeing these actors who you're familiar with behaving one way in the first film behaving a different way in this Uh, As well as the, you know, the added um, entertainment factor of actors pretending to be other actors, essentially. Which I think most people, especially the way it's been promoted. Basically, you come to the film for The Rock pretending to be Danny DeVito, but you stay for Kevin Hart pretending to be Danny Glover who is just so consistently fucking funny throughout. That is definitely where a lot of the laughs came from for me, was Kevin Hart just carrying whole scenes at, at certain points.
1: I... I know Kevin Hart is funny to people, and that he, you know, like he's one of the biggest draws in film. I know this because I have been told this. <laughs> but I never really understood why that could be until now. This demonstrates a range and ability and talent that I, you know, and and part of that is just like I haven't been exposed to a lot of Kevin Hart vehicles. But this his Glover character and yeah. and it's it, that's another thing. It's like as this is to some degree actor performance porn, right? Because you're having a actor portray a character that's inhabiting the body of another character. Right?
0: It's basically exactly like another family-friendly comedy Face Off.
1: (laughs) But you're right. It is. It is a lot like Face Off in that it's interesting to see that dynamic of John Travolta and Nicolas Cage and them, you know. Now...
0: The plot may be good and the jokes may land, but the meta aspect of it is a
1: huge draw. Now, my problem with Face Off is, is as much as I, I want to see. Uh, actually, no, uh, the, the the premise falls flat for me on on some level. I, I, it winds up being pretty entertaining, but here's my thing: I actually am not that interested in seeing Nicholas Cage play someone boring. Yes, and I. Do want to see Nicolas Cage playing Nicolas Cage? Yes, and so this film deprives me of everything I would want. It's
0: it's frustrating because I would rather just watch the film that happens before the Face Off, <laughs> which is John Travolta going after Castor Troy, who is Nicolas Cage. Because that whole opening sequence is great, and it's it's perfect,
1: Cage. It, yep, yeah, yeah.
0: I've said before, I've lamented how few times he gets to play a villain because he's got that fucking scenery chewing hamminess. Yes. And for a good period in his career he was stuck in the boring hero role. And I'm like, it it felt like a waste. I'm glad he's doing weird shit now. Mm-hmm. Like 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 shit like Mandy. Like some of the like Mandy's fucking fantastic. I'm glad he's he's doing some some stuff like that.
1: But yeah, so I don't know, I I there I, I... I loved Kevin Hart in, you know, the early with the uh the Danny Glover stuff. The Rocks DeVito is solid. I I it's good enough for me. He gets laughs and at the, yeah. you
0: know, he gets laughs, it's more in his face. Yeah. than in his voice. And his face
1: is so expressive.
0: He's got such a good like bewildered look yeah and it, it, it you can see danny devito like pulling that kind of face right the voice is a little more you know but it, it as you say it's serviceable yeah it's serviceable. it's enough to get some some good laughs jack black
1: <laughs> uh it's fine it's fine it made me me <laughs> In a way that him playing, you know, a woman inhabiting that body didn't make me uncomfortable at all. Him having an African American man inhabit that body just felt... Well, mm. it was, it was
0: fine until halfway through when he did his face up like a minstrel. Then <laughs> it crossed a line for well, me.
1: It it, it fade it fades quickly. Like I forgot about it quickly, and then it just felt natural. But right at the outset, it was like ooh. So this is what we're doing. Okay.
0: Well, all I can say is they took it to the next level. And- <laughs> I mean, that's... I would like it if this one was full of offensive content. Not because I'd like that, but because I would like to see the director justify it simply by saying that he's taking it to the next level <laughs> when he's asked about any of it. It's in the title, people. Yeah. Some people thought this thing was really homophobic. What did you think of that? Hmm? You know, I took it to the next level.
1: (laughs) Fuck off. (laughs) Uh, Well, we chatted about it a bit. Do we want to dig into it?
0: Oh, let's take this podcast to the next level.
1: We open with a shot of a verdant jungle, and it's sort of a misdirection because it's actually Bethany from the first movie sending a text saying that she can't wait to see them, them being her friends. Now... There is a subtext, I think, that exists in this movie, and I'm going to introduce this idea right now because this is where the film does it. How
0: me. else would it ferment?
1: And it's the very first thing I saw, mm-hmm. and it, it it doesn't feel necessarily intentional. It feels like an oversight of possible perception.
0: Is this teasing Bethany's clopping kink? <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, uh, no, okay. no, but it is. It, it does. It sent me a very different subtextual message that I think the film intended to convey. One which, at various other points, may be reinforced. So Bethany sends this message, and it says, "Can't? I'm coming home for you. I can't wait. I'm leaving all of this to come home and see you. I can't wait." Essentially, and the the wording. Is such that it could be suggested that they're speaking to one person or a group. Okay. 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 And then it hard cuts to Martha, who uh, now has a nose ring. You know, mm-hmm. so so she's gone to college because that's what happens. Uh, how else would you know she's been to college? Right. So she's got it. She's got a nose ring. She gets the text and she looks up and she smiles a little bit and has a little starry eyed expression and. For me, especially, this film, I think, wants you to have just watched Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle (laughs) very recently. (laughs) Because for me, there was a moment of questioning, like, there's something going on there. Martha and Bethany? And then it cuts to Fridge, who's working out. And he gets the message. I'm like, oh, okay, it's a group text. Never mind. But still, that look that Martha gives, just put a pin in that. Right. And then Spencer gets it. He's leaving the student union at NYU. Yeah. And he he just doesn't seem to be getting on as well as his friends are. He has a uh, shitty job stocking toothpaste at a drugstore. Uh, His asthma inhaler's empty. And his luggage breaks on the trip back home. So, Spencer, having bad times. Real down and out. Spencer's grandfather, Eddie, the... Legendary Danny DeVito has been staying at Spencer's childhood home with his daughter, Spencer's mother, following hip surgery. And we first see him. Now, it's, it's, it's shown that there is a lift chair to go upstairs there to indicate, oh, man, there's a really disabled person in this house. And then the first shot we get of him is him on a stepladder mm-hmm. changing a light bulb. You know, so just some good establishment. This film crams so much into the first nine minutes of it to establish these characters because it wants to get into jumanji
0: it knows what you want right it knows what it wants and the answer to both of those things is jumanji
1: but it is a whole lot of stuff that just gets packed right into it's almost exhausting because of how many characters they have to establish and and set up and so they don't have enough time to develop some of this as much as i think that they needed to but eddie doesn't want to be there doesn't want to talk to a guy named milo who's been calling a bunch but he does want to help spencer with his bags up to up to his room where they are sharing the bedroom so spencer's now going to be staying with his grandfather for two weeks for the holidays
0: won't be wanking tonight or might be wanking tonight well, it depends if he wants to soil his mother's fucking furniture.
1: And, well, who's going to be wanking tonight? Oh, hadn't considered that possibility. Yeah. So, as Eddie's hook struggling to hook up his oxygen machine, Spencer's struggling to reach out to his friends.
0: Although it was a little bit tasteless for them to still include footage of a ventilator.
1: Ah, these are some troubled times.
0: People are going without in these uncertain times. Uh, I think they should have pixelated it for the digital release. (laughs)
1: Uh, To ensure that the house will be uh, empty for tomorrow's plot misadventure, Spencer's mom announces that she's going to be at work, but a repairman will be coming to repair the broken downstairs heater, which was established in the previous scene, but I didn't mention, because like I said, they crammed a lot in there. Uh, Spencer announces that he will likely be brunching with his friends at a restaurant called Nora's, which which elicits some outrage from Eddie for reasons that we'll need to learn in the next few minutes so that the plot can move forward.
0: Well, first, Eddie very hurriedly describes how Palpatine was behind Jumanji the whole time, and it was all his doing. The whole time. Um, They don't bother explaining how Palpatine... Turned up, but he was behind everything.
1: Well, no, they didn't do it on screen. Um, I think well, that they, they 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 put that out in like some web-only video content expansion, or or maybe a Jumanji spin-off game that they're working on.
0: Fortnite, For... it was Fortnite. Oh, it was Fortnite.
1: It was oh, okay. fucking
0: Fortnite. Of course, For it was. For God's sake! <laughs> what an absurd film, Rise of the Skywalker! What an absurd film! Sorry, we're talking about the next... Let's take this to the next level. (laughs) Uh,
1: We also learned from conversation between Eddie and Spencer that things haven't gone well with Martha, only reinforcing this idea in my head that she and Bethany at some point started in on each other.
0: Wow, I mean... Yeah. Jumanji... Jumanji makes beasts of us all.
1: (laughs) And Eddie... Eddie gives the worst, but yet most totally recognizably old man advice to his grandson i think i've ever heard <laughs> it's so perfect he says there's all all of these women on the subway in new york that he'd be happy to marry <laughs> and it's... oh my god <laughs> i love it uh Anyway, yeah, so he advises him to pick up women out of the subway. Because it's all downhill from here. Eddie's <laughs> pretty great. Uh, Spencer, unable to sleep, moves to the couch downstairs, uh, wearing a coat because the heater is broken. See? You know, context. Context clues. Too cold to have a wank. Oh, right? And then, as he's sitting there on the couch, he says Bravestone and heads to the basement where he has hidden... Oh, yeah, yeah, Bravestone. I, like,
0: Justin was watching it with me, and then I turned to him and I said, Oh, fun fact though Brave Star was a cartoon in the 80s. So now I I was gonna come across as a learned man, and now I look like a bit of a titty biscuit, don't I? (laughs) Because he said Brave Star, not Brave Star, Brave Star. Eyes of a Puma, wings of a bat, Brave Star. His horse is a man as well. That's how that went. Huh.
1: Yeah. It's quite a show. Well, Spencer said Bravestone and headed to the the basement (laughs) where he had hidden away the now broken Jumanji game console, which, as you may recall, the last shot of the prior film was them dropping a bowling ball um, on the console. Mm -hmm. Um, I only remember that because I went back and reopened my plot synopsis document from the last one uh, so that I could remember everyone's names.
0: But if people are watching this the way it was designed to be watched, then they'd have seen this five minutes ago.
1: Right. Exactly. Uh, just. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he pulls out the cartridge. His hands tremble. Good good. little hand tremble he does there, holding that cartridge. Cut to the next morning and Norris. Where Martha is just walking up, and she takes a deep breath and walks inside to find Bethany. And I'm not feeling sexual tension, but they are very excited to see each other. Uh, Fridge also rolls up, and we're sort of brought up to speed. Bethany's been building houses somewhere, probably a Habitat for Humanity or Peace Corps thing, and doing some traveling.
0: I I can't stand that shit. I can't stand people that go to places and help people. It's
1: disgusting.
0: Honestly, I was watching this and I was almost sick into one of my shoes.
1: And then, uh... It's fucking
0: ridiculous. Arrogant. Arrogant is what it is. Oh, they need my help.
1: Fucking conceited. (laughs) Martha's in college and has friends who call her M. What? Which Bethany says is hot, and I'd be really confused again if the subject didn't immediately jump to Martha and Spencer being on a break. Although, you know, that sort of leaves the path open, and I'm just... I don't know what's going on here. But they all wonder where he is and reach for their phones. Back at Spencer's house, his bed is empty... And the doorbell is ringing, which is, uh, which wakes up Eddie. Eddie opens the front door to find, to his displeasure, Milo, the legendary Danny Glover. Well,
0: let's face it, anyone opening their door to see Milo's gonna be upset.
1: Um, Milo invites himself in for coffee, (laughs) which is something I could see Milo doing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, God, I'm visualizing this scene now (laughs) in my head of opening the front door and Milo being there and just inviting himself in for coffee (laughs) and saying, do you mind if I make some eggs? Talking about the restaurant he owned with Danny DeVito.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no wonder that business relationship went sour. They always
1: do, apparently. (laughs) Uh, But that is what happens with uh, Danny Glover. Yes. As Milo, uh, they, uh, <laughs> and, he, and, and he just glowers at him. And I love this because he has the same expression on his face. you know, From the cut to the front door, to the cut, to the table where the coffee is. It's totally a change to indicate that he has said nothing in however long it took for him to make coffee. Yeah. I uh, love that. Uh, it's good. Good little bit of, of humor. Cuts back to Spencer's brunch that he's not there for. But all his friends are talking about how they all fell out of touch with him. And you can see that they finished their meal now. And they decide to go to their house where Milo and Eddie are wrapping up their own breakfast. With Milo meandering around this point by reflecting on their dishwasher. You know, some character establishment Milo just fucking tells just just can't get to the fucking point and it's been a constant source of tension between eddie and milo throughout the course of their entire seemingly very long relationship um and then there's a knock on the door and eddie recognizes fridge uh, as being spencer's childhood friend and fridge introduces eddie to bethany and martha and eddie is in the process of thoroughly embarrassing martha over being the girlfriend When Milo steps in, and it is revealed that Milo and Eddie had previously run this restaurant, Nora's, that they'd gone to for brunch. And that's why Eddie has these issues. Mm -hmm. So after establishing that they're here looking for Spencer, the team splits up, starts poking around the house, when the sound of drumming starts. And Martha, Bethany, and Fridge all recognize it and find each other in the foyer to confirm that they'd heard it. But Eddie and Milo also hear it, and Eddie dismisses it as the broken heater in the basement, which is delightful. Classic. Speaking of the basement, that's where the kids find the busted but connected Jumanzi console, and after some speculation that he may be trying to fix it for some ungodly reason and has left for parts, Fridge attempts to call Spencer again. They find his phone in his coat and deduce that he has returned to Jumanji. And after some resistance from Fridge, they decide to go back in as well to help him get back out. Martha touches the controller, a spark flies, and she and Fridge begin to be pulled in, but Bethany is not. Martha, as Ruby Roundhouse Killer of Men, lands in the jungle and turns to find Doctor Smolder Bravestone behind her. When she addresses him as Spencer, it's clearly Eddie in the body.
0: And this begins the first of many instances of Dwayne the Rock Johnson going, "Eh, uh, eh, uh, eh, uh, eh, uh,
1: Spencer, Spencer,
0: Spencer, Spencer, uh,
1: uh, <laughs> uh, eh, 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 And and his just. Ongoing befuddlement of what's going on around us. While Milo sort of starts to get it on some level, uh, Eddie, (laughs) poor sweet Eddie, (laughs) Franklin Mouse Finbar also crashes in with Milo at the helm. And as they all establish their identities, but do not yet address for the newcomers these new bodies, Fridge, uh, as Professor Shelley Oberon drops in, and lands on Milo. And upon realizing his horrible fate of being the map reader, uh, he also gets brought up to speed on who is whom. Eddie and Milo speculate that they're dead. You know? Reasonable assumption. They have to make this joke, good call, Yeah. well executed. Martha tries to explain that they're in a video game, they're old and do not understand, and it goes on for a long time because obviously that's the joke. Uh, and then the old start enjoying the new flexibility in their joints, and th- the kids realize how fucked they are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Milo sees a hippo and beckons to it, prompting Martha to push him out of the way before it eats him. Oh shits on him. Call back to the uh, to the first film where Martha was uh, eaten by. Or was, was Finn eaten by a hippo the last Someone time? Someone was eaten by Someone a hippo. Someone was eaten by a hippo right away. Uh, Milo then expounds upon hippos great length before realizing he didn't know much about hippos before now. Uh, Fridge, uh, again as uh, Jack Black, or Jack Black as Fridge, monologues about how alert you have to be at this place, only to be interrupted by a snake eating him, costing a life. So a plane flies overhead after Fridge pops back in, and they chase it down, and it's Nigel Billingsley in the cockpit. Who encourages them all inside now we get a rehash explanation of the NPC aspects of the game how they have limited dialogue uh, but they respond to inputs uh, but with a dementia joke from Milo just to keep it fresh uh, there's some more olds don't understand video games humor as they look for the letter setting up the adventure uh, and we learn about Jurgen the Brutal a conqueror who has returned to Jumanji with his warriors and taken the land's fertility icon.
0: Known to Game of Thrones viewers as Sandor the Hound Clegane. Yes. It's that actor whose actual name is on the periphery of my memory, but I can't fucking remember it.
1: Well, he has uh, taken the fertility icon called the Falcon Jewel from a group of villagers who protect it. And as a result, all the crops of Jumanji are now dying. Coincidentally... Jurgen also killed Bravestone's parents. Just, we're in a video game. <laughs> the fucking. The, fu-
0: the, fu- the fucking shot of The Rock as Bravestone's father with the mustache and the hair just going, No!
1: <laughs> it's fucking impeccable. It's very good. So, their goal is to recover the jewel and show it to the sun and then call out Jumanji's name to win. Uh, they're also provided with a riddle like clue somewhere in this. Uh, find an oasis and follow the flame to the desert fruit. Nigel then gives them a map and ejects them from his plane into the middle of the desert. Cut to the outside world. Bethany fiddles with the broken console for a bit, then has an idea and runs out of the basement. Okay. In the desert, as the group makes its way through a dune buggy graveyard, more old people rash- uh, rationalizing. Uh, Eddie thinks he's had hip surgery again. He's coming out of anesthetic. But then starts coming around to the benefits of this whole thing when he sees his reflection in a buggy window uh, and claims to, you know, be to have it again, to be back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Prompting a very ch- a fun conversation with Milo about how he'd never been there before. Uh, that's fun. Fridge, frustrated with his new role, pulls out the map to learn that they're in the Dunes level. So pretty obvious. Uh, and in the distance, an ostrich approaches. And Milo starts providing facts about ostriches very slowly and doesn't get to the detail about how they attack when threatened before Eddie threatens the ostrich and is killed. Um, I love the line and the the delivery.
0: Oh, I know exactly what this is.
1: Did I just kill Eddie by talking too slow? (laughs) Just like he always said I would. That was... It's so good. That got a...
0: Big laugh for me. That was, yeah, the line is good. The delivery is incredible.
1: It's, yeah, just, mm. after Eddie respawns, Martha then explains to the olds the life tattoos on their arms and the mechanics surrounding player death. And as she finishes, the ostriches return, and Milo explains, oh, yes, they travel in herds. So the group finds a couple of working dune buggies splitting up, Milo and Eddie in one, Martha and Fridge in the other. Chasing happens. Milo holds Eddie in the car by his ankle. uh, Eddie holds Milo in the car, I should say, by his ankle to keep him from being dragged out by an ostrich uh, and driving around. It's it's a good scene. Head butts one. It's fun stuff. Uh, Fridge and Martha, they crash and look doomed, but they get picked up in Eddie's buggy, and eventually they reach a cliff edge eddie recognizes a ramp opportunity turns back towards the birds to get some speed the ostriches tear the roof of the buggy right off and clean off and eddie drives to the ramp convinced that they're gonna make it and they do that we're gonna make it we're gonna make it we're not gonna make it because as they crash into the far side but because there's no roof now the group flies out of the buggy when it collides with the far side landing safely and Eddie's super impressed with himself. Like you would be. Mm -hmm. And Martha explains that's because he's an awesome character, tapping his chest to explain his stats card. The list gets run down and we get a smolder, our first real smoldering intensity joke. With Martha having to remind herself that it's an old man in there. Ah, yikes. Uh, Milo thinks he's having a stroke. (laughs) Which is also very good. And Bravestone now has a weakness where he had none before, Uh, and it just says Switchblade. Martha has gained an ability with nunchucks. Milo, uh, as well as zoology for the character uh, Finbar, now knows linguistics as well. And Fridge, in addition to being able to read the map, knows geometry.
0: This was great (laughs) when... When he taps his chest and it comes up just the shot of him with the desert in the background <laughs> and the list of
1: weaknesses endurance, hate, sun, sand. <laughs> and he decides to think he's, he's, what he's going to do is he's going he's to just shape Shelly up and exercise does one burpee and then collapses because of endurance being his weakness. <laughs> <laughs> on the walk through the desert Milo tries to talk to Eddie about the disagreement between them over My- Milo's desire to retire and Eddie's wish to have continued running the restaurant. And by nightfall, they find a settlement at an oasis, and observing, a pair, uh, observing by a pair of hyenas, the, uh, the bad guys are also here. So with the riddle as a guide, they head to a bar called Smokestack in search of fire. Chris Isaac's wicked game <laughs> starts playing. <laughs> on a jukebox. It is not subtle. New. No. As a woman in red walks in, it sees Smolder Bravestone, claiming she never thought she'd see him again. She says she needs to talk to him in private, gesturing to Jurgens' mercenaries in the bar, and then slaps him. It is very hammed up. It looks great. The group des- deduces that she, as Bravestone's ex-girlfriend, is the flame referenced in the riddle, and that they should follow her. So they do, and in the next room, they find a bunch of Jürgen's men, and the box that should have the jewel in it. So Jürgen steps in, and addresses his mercenaries to give a eulogy to his hyena master, who recently died, because he tried to steal from Jürgen, and he's now being fed to his hyenas. And he was his favorite person of the mercenaries. So what's he going to do to the rest of you? It's a very good making an example of someone monologue.
0: It's a solid villain establishment scene.
1: Yeah. And suddenly the lights go out. And when they come back on, Jürgen notices that the key to open the chest is gone. And a small framed Asian woman tries to leave the room, but is stopped by Eddie and shaken down to reveal them as the thief. In the ensuing commotion, the gang figures out that this is Spencer just in time to see their head get cut off. They respond outside, and the team establishes whom is whom again. And again, I can't stress this enough, Martha is checking out Spencer in the Asian woman's body and likes what she sees. I mean, I'm just... There's at least a curiosity angle being put in here subtextually. It's there. Well, I
0: mean... Where Jumanji's tripped itself up is it has not gone into an in-depth exploration of of gender and sexuality as that Black Mirror episode did (laughs) via the medium of of online avatars. So, really, they should have been having a lot of people getting off with each other throughout Jumanji. Different, especially when the horse got involved.
1: Alright, she's also cut her hair short and gotten a nose ring and gone to college. I'm not saying that these things relate or stereotypes exist. I'm just saying she's exploring herself at this point in her life, and I would not be surprised to discover that this is a an aspect of her character that we're learning about through this film, subtextually. I like the bit where the monk is turned up. <laughs> <laughs> Jurgen takes the box with the jewel and his mercenaries leave the oasis. Spencer has to explain himself to the gang that he was feeling powerless and wanted to be Bravestone again, but is instead Ming Fleetfoot, a cat burglar with allergies. The woman in red returns to tell Bravestone that Jürgen is taking the jewel to his fortress, where he'll meet the Brothers Kababic, and trade it to them in exchange for an alliance that will allow them to rule Jumanji. Then she kisses him. Fridge asks for a clarification on the Brothers Kababic, causing the NPC to loop and kiss Bravestone again. (laughs) Also, her jealous husband's name is Switchblade. By the way. Ma. The team decides to split up. Martha and Fridge will decide will follow the woman in red to find the desert fruit from the riddle, while Spencer, Eddie, and Milo attempt to acquire camels to follow Jurgen. The woman in red leads Martha and Fridge to a hidden grotto with a single tree bearing a uh, bearing Jumanji berries, and a plaque reading In a moment of need, remember the seed. Come <laughs> Yep, okay, there we go. Glad we got there. <laughs> it's also surrounded by what appears to be electrified water. And a set of torches along the wall inspires Fridge, based on the clue Follow the Flame. And while he's busy figuring out how he's going to physically accomplish this acrobatic task in Shelly Oberon's body, Ruby just does it. Martha just does the thing. But upon plucking the fruit, she falls into the water... And as Fridge tries to help her out, he also steps in it. And this causes a little explosion between them. And when they emerge from that, they've, a switch, they've switched bodies. Fridge is now in Ruby and Martha is in Shelley. Wanting to try out the cool Ruby body, Fridge then attempts the route to the tree again, falls into the water, and again they're switched back to the bodies they were in when they arrived. Meanwhile, finding a barn, Spencer has Eddie keep watch. While he and Milo break in to get the camels. And Eddie does a really bad job of failing to attract attention. And this is just a callback to a prior huge brawl scene in the other one, isn't it? Didn't they do this before already?
0: I don't know. I watched that 10 years ago now. It
1: does feel like an eternity.
0: That was before quarantine. <laughs> I can't remember anything before quarantine. BQ. BQ.
1: That's going to be our new... Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, the world... We have to acknowledge the world's going to be different when we emerge. Before emergence. We're going to have emergence day. Will it still be a vampire? Oh, we'll still have vampires. Don't worry. We'll still have vampires. (laughs) (laughs) Vampires aren't going anywhere. Oh. Oh, Oh, I see what you mean. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Come. Right. Come.
0: Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Piping hot cum. Fresh from the stove. Just like Mother used to make. <laughs> Sorry,
1: um, Jumanji. Inside the bard, it's discovered that Milo's new linguistic ability extends to animals. And he begins negotiations with the camels. Once these are concluded, they exit to find that Eddie has beaten up about, yeah, 50 people or so. And Switchblade is after them. So the team reunites together outside the oasis, and they're all ready to run. But Eddie stops them, saying he can take down Switchblade. And as he attempts to convince them... Switchblade fires a rocket-propelled grenade and kills the entire group. <laughs> it's, it's good comedy. They've, they've got the timing, and it's, they've just done a good job with the comedy here in general. I'm pleased. Yeah, it's a, it's a very funny film. On Camelback, the group traverses the desert, and Milo attempts again to talk to Eddie about their respective retirements. And when the argument heats up, Milo decides that they'll settle this right here and now with a fight, which I think also happened in the first one. But, you know, instead of... It was was Spencer and Fridge in these bodies.
0: Yeah, well, they've taken it to the next level now.
1: They have. Uh, and Eddie kills Milo by punching him into a rock formation, which then lands on top of him. Cut to the camel riding again, and the camels stop at a point, say they'll go no further. So moving forward on foot, the group reaches a sequence of suspension bridges. And Fridge realizes that there actually is a benefit to Shelly, because he can clearly see the correct route through his knowledge of geometry. Geometry. Everything comes up. It all comes up. As Eddie walks onto the first bridge, drums begin sounding and the bridges start moving, which then adds to the difficulty, along with revelation that there's a giant spire filled with mandrills about to chase them.
0: Mandrill mandrills. has always been a great name for an animal, and I feel it's wasted on what you could just call Baboon too. <laughs> Mandrill, like, I want to see tentacles on that thing. Mm. I want to see, like, big frog eyes. And I don't want it to go, oh, I am a mandrill. Oh,
1: like that. Well, chasing happens is Milo oh, shares right. some yeah. fun facts about mandrills, mm. and Fridge tells everyone where to go. Uh, eventually, Martha takes a wrong jump and gets separated and thrown off her bridge by a mandrill. And Spencer, distracted by this, also fails to jump to the bridge with the others and tumbles down. Martha respawns into the midst of the bridge network. She has one life remaining as Spencer is assaulted, leading Eddie to jump to his aid, bouncing the bridge to drive off the monkeys. But, you know, again, too into this power that he has. Uh, Also flings Spencer off as well, who lands down with Martha. Uh, She heroically swings on a broken bridge and flings Spencer and herself to the far side of the chasm as the rest of the team finishes their crossing. Milo falls... And Eddie saves him again by cutting off the bridge. Everybody gets there. Cool. On the far side, they are surrounded by the mandrills when a horse rides in bearing Jefferson Seaplane McDonough, aka Alex, aka this character whom, again, I cannot stress enough. If you have not seen Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle within the last, oh, I don't know, month, <laughs> M- maybe. You have no clue what the fuck's happening here. It
0: took me a moment. And then it took me a moment before I was like, oh, right. Yeah, that was the character played by Tom Hanks' son. Yes. Yes. Um, also, interestingly, I did turn to Justin and ask him to clarify. And he agreed. At no point do they show Bethany and Tom Hanks' son fixing the machine. They just turn up? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. They show Bethany going to
0: find him. They, they, they find Tom Hanks' son, and Tom Hanks' son says, he's got a real name, Tom Hanks' son says, oh, let's fix it, and then they leave, and then they're just there yeah. in Jumanji. It was a weird, like, for a film that, for, a you know, this film and the last film being as tight as they are and well planned out, I'm surprised. I mean, I guess it's not required, but it was, it, you know, it certainly jarred me for a moment. That they were suddenly
1: there it's there does feel like I mean, and i i get it because i don't have a lot of expectation that anybody's going to come into this film from not having seen the first one but it is it's a lot very a lot of very sudden just like here's this thing and an expectation it feels like yeah. that i'm supposed to be instantly recognizing what that is um and the horse it turns out is bethany in another character named cyclone Alex provides them with warmer clothes for the mountainous region that they're about to travel into. And they wrap Fridge's ankle.
0: I I was disappointed. Mm-hmm. I'm also disappointed because it's only struck me now how good it would have been if there'd have been some mention about the the cosmetic change that the characters had had. Mm-hmm. That's a different outfit. The moment I saw that, I thought, well, that's DLC. That's an extra $5.99 for that snow." Gear?
1: Oh wow, yeah.
0: There should be a version of Jumanji, like the third one, should have microtransactions. Well,
1: the console would probably need another upgrade, but but that's that's something we're gonna we're we're gonna have to talk about. Well,
0: there's a lot of interesting directions.
1: Yeah, there's some implications that come up later y- yes. that, that we'll need to uh, address. So they wrap Fridge's ankle. That had gotten broken or sprained at some point. Milo and Eddie now have their third conversation, Rule of Threes, where they talk about what they respectively lost when the restaurant closed, Um, and that really being their friendship and not the restaurant. And they apologize to each other for not having mended their fences sooner. Uh, As it turns out, Milo is dying. And wanted to resolve this whole thing in the little bit of time that they have left.
0: They always wait till they're dying. Then you can't say no.
1: But it is—it's the performances are so like I. It is a really nice scene. It's affecting. Mm-hmm. Like, they did a an amazing job. Kevin Kevin Hart, <laughs> like he's really sold me on an actor on being an actor now. Approaching the final level, the the Mountain Fortress, they develop a plan to sneak in and steal the jewel before Jurgen can trade it to the Brothers Kababic. It's a pretty loose plan, and Fridge loses it at this point, indicating that this team is in no way prepared for this. Because, apart from Martha and Alex, nobody is inhabiting characters that are compatible with them as people right now. That would, you know, where they benefit from being in those roles. And as he finishes his rant and sits down, the rock he attempts to rest on slips and he tumbles over the side of the mountain. What he finds on the other side is a waterfall with the same electrified water that they'd seen at the base of the Jumanji Berry Tree. And he and Martha realized that this could be used to switch everyone's bodies. So everybody except Martha and Alex jump into the water as Welcome to the Jungle plays. And, you know, it's a big, dramatic, like, emerge from the water scene. I thought the horse flip hair was brilliant. Yeah. So good. And luckily... They only had to do it once, and everybody wound up where they were supposed to be. Because <laughs> like, so I was, I was sort of imagining having to do it like a bunch of times, and it getting really fucking exhausting to like round robin everybody until you know, like, oh, okay, well, I'm in the right one. I'll wait out now. We'll just go till we whittle it down to the last people having to trade.
0: Hey, they gotta save something for the escalation of the third one, when you just get actors pretending to be actors every ten minutes. <laughs>
1: Um Eddie is now Ming for Fleetfoot and Milo inhabits Cyclone. And there are a couple of things about this that are fantastic in some ways. Like for one, I mean on the one hand, I'm I miss Kevin Hart now playing Milo. But replaced right by Aquafina playing Danny DeVito. Oh my god. She's she's amazing. Yep. Like she runs the entire fucking range <laughs> of necessary Emotional responses for this character, this very specific kind of archetype of a human being that she is not <laughs> and it feels so real. Um I knew she was again, I knew she was good, not particularly familiar with her work. knew she was good, no she is good. Holy shit, I love her in this. yeah, so anyway. As the gang rests around a campfire in a cave, Eddie notices that he has hair <laughs> <laughs> and goes out to tell Milo, but finds Milo surrounded by mercenaries, and they're both captured. And using the map, Bethany determines that they are will be located in opposite sides of the mountain base, one in the stables, uh, Cyclone in the stables, and Eddie in the dungeon. So Spencer decides to split the team. He gets some climbing gear from Fridge. And asks Martha to join him on an ascent up the mountainside to sneak into the dungeon. The rest of the team is to find some other way to attempt to sneak in. And Alex and Martha and Fridge find a group of returning mercenaries. Alex tries to stop them from going, wants to go alone. He gets into that issue, but Martha and Fridge are stopped and asked if they are the brothers kebabic which they respond to the affirmative and to the, in, they respond to in the affirmative and they're welcomed in by the NPC guard Meanwhile on their ascent Martha asks Spencer why he never came to visit her he broke off their relationship and it turns out he's super insecure it turns out he's a white teenage boy go figure and looking at her Instagram made her think he was a loser in comparison to her which during this conversation, is inarguably true.
0: Well, I mean... (laughs) Some people don't make the best case for themselves while they're making a case for
1: themselves. She then explains that she's got imposter syndrome over the fact that she now has these friends in college as opposed to when she was in high school. So her life isn't so great, but she's actually happy and comfortable and feels her best when she's with him which makes Spencer realize that everything was actually fine the whole time. Cool. hmm. Alex finds the stable and Milo inside, but he gets killed by a dart trap when he steps on a stone tile.
0: I was expecting a heroic sacrifice that kills Tom Hanks's son's character at this point. Mm. I thought we were gonna see a like a someone run out of lives for proper and die in real, Uh, I was surprised it didn't go that way. Yeah, like he'd be the one you'd do it to, and this was the scene to do it in.
1: Yeah, and and he, you know, he responds and and sets to do another attempt and dies again to to build the stakes. Yeah, but yeah, that that would have been, I don't know, might have been too dark. Maybe. Uh, Spencer and Martha make it into the dungeon and spring Eddie. Then
0: again, did you see what happened to that horse in the never-ending story? Jesus. Oh,
1: God. Uh, And that's still considered a childhood classic? It is fucking hell. Comrade, fucking hell. You you see
0: what happened to that horse in the never-ending fucking story? Fucking hell. Fucking hell. That horse. Fucking hell. Oh, my God. Fuck that for
1: a game of soldiers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh so spencer and martha spring eddie um they do the whole kissing in front of the old man scene eddie's ready to split but they remind him that they also need to get that jewel from the vault uh and eddie knows where that was because they passed it on the way down cool uh one of jürgen one of jürgen's I, one of jürgen's mercs asks which of bethany or fridge is which kebabic brother this scene is great it is delightful. It turns out that the one Fridge is uh, pretending to be is a eunuch who legendarily lost their testicles. <laughs> and Fridge just does not want to accept he does not have testicles. This is very good. Very good gag.
0: It's the NPC in the background that makes it. Mm-hmm. Just his reactions to everything and his co- his constant confirmation that the balls have been, like, removed.
1: And his solemnity mm-hmm. about it, because everybody has such respect <laughs> for the loss of these testicles.
0: That's it. Like, there's no judgement except for, like, Fridge himself, because everyone else is... <laughs> what a great... <laughs> and then it just, it's topped off with him eventually having to give in and just say, yeah, I have, I have no balls." balls. <laughs> It's a really good scene. Oh, uh, it's, yep. That, to be honest, says a little bit about, you know, our sense of masculinity, does it not? I think it does. I is, th- think it does. Is that not, dear listener, gentle listener, is that not the point? <sighs> you know, think think about it. Think on. Watch yourselves.
1: Spencer and Martha have to, again, explain the mechanics of video games to Eddie to convince him to use his character's skills to break into the vault and steal the gem. Uh, You know, the bit's not old. It should be old by now. I I think it helps that it's a different actor doing the hair.
0: I think that's what it is. I mean, it's just, it gives it a new dimension, and they upgraded the level of the performance, because as we said, you know, the rock is solid, but Aquafina like, just it's an it's the right level of escalation of performance because she's just so good at it mm-hmm. and replaces like instantly picks up the baton that Kevin Hart's um Danny Glover dropped so it just it makes sure there's that one character that's just consistently funny and i think that's why that bit does not get old
1: this is a really weird first movie for me to have seen aquafina in because i don't have any other context for her than these characters. However, the range that she has displayed as a result of this being my first exposure is incredible as well, right? Yes. I I don't know that playing insecure white guy is that hard under any circumstances, because Lord knows you have a nigh limitless... Uh, a yeah. number of examples to draw from.
0: But she was also very dry and serious in that role. Mm-hmm. And then straight away is fucking funny Danny DeVito uh,
1: avatar the next moment. like Which is, again, another thing that there is a clear identity to. But not everybody can do it. And uh, no. it's, it's one of those things that almost anybody will try and not and hardly anybody can do really well. Yeah,
0: like, it's it's one of the reasons why there are certain voices I don't do, and Danny DeVito's one of them,
1: mm-hmm.
0: is I could never, never hope to mimic it, yeah. or even do a funny parody of it, so I just don't
1: right. do it. Right. So, um, uh, let me see, where was I on my... Oh, here we go. Uh, finally, Alex gets past the uh, floor traps and reaches uh, Milo's cage, uh, and upon opening the cage door, the floor traps covered out, allowing them safe passage out, and Alex... Pat's Milo, inadvertently revealing cyclone statistics, and something on there is apparently very cool, but we'll have to pay off later. Um, The pretend brothers kebabic are offered cake, and Fridge freaks the fuck out, because, as we recall, cake is lethal to his character. Uh, Eddie descends into the vault, past the hyenas, and opens the chest, but the gem isn't inside. Turns out it's on Jürgen's chest.
0: Good place to keep it.
1: That's right. That's that's where you'd have it. He's busy meeting with Bethany at Fridge. Jurgen talks about the alliance that they're gonna forge and asks where she is. Turns out this is some sort of barbaric trade for their sister's hand in marriage. And that's a problem. Cause they didn't bring a sister with them. Luckily, Martha arrives in the nick of time, claiming to be the Kebabic sister and agreeing to marry Jurgen. She asks to hold the Falcon jewel, and Jurgen agrees but she is stopped when a note arrives saying that the brothers kebabic have been delayed. Martha tells Jürgen she has a boyfriend, and Spencer comes into the room, and the fighting happens. But Spencer finds that he's actually no match for Jürgen, and is knocked to the ground. And this breaks open the Jumanji berry in his pocket. Jürgen sees this and backs away, deciding to retreat and let his soldiers do the work. So Fridge sends Spencer after Jürgen, it digs through his backpack looking for something to help the group fight off the mercenaries. Settling on a boombox so that we can have another go round of "Baby, I Love Your Way." Yeah,
0: this this fell flat because it, it had just it was a it was done way funnier in the first one. And at least like do a different song.
1: Do a different song. This whereas last time it felt choreographed to this song. This fight did not feel in any way choreographed to this song. No. I almost wonder if they had another song in mind and then decided to do the familiar instead and said it's fine. It... yeah, It's a bummer because there's a, a whole catalog of strange things that you could have fight sequences to from the 80s or whatever. Uh, Lord knows... Guardians of the Galaxy does this shit constantly. It's it's a well worn trope. I don't know. There, this is the point at which the leaning on the familiar from the prior film and the retread. This is where it comes to a problem for me.
0: And I mean, fair play. It took until the last act. Sure, sure. For stuff for some you know wearing thin stuff to show up.
1: Yep, yep. That's it's absolutely still it's fine. It's just yeah. Kind of a disappointment. Yeah, I
0: mean, it's, it's, it's not good, you know, and it's it's a shame because you it's so easy to just do it to a different song and choreograph it to it, and you've got instant laughs. Right. You can do that same gag again. You've just got to change the music. Mm-hmm.
1: It's, the one, it's the one instance where if you're coming in cold and you're seeing this, it has a chance of having some sort of effect on you because you don't have the context of the time before when they did it really well. Uh, Martha gets to try out her nunchuck nunchuck skills. Oh, but then you also probably don't really get why it's going on either. (laughs) So, yeah, oh, whatever. But the battle ends with Bethany kicking one dude and saying we did it, and that's still cute. Jürgen makes his way to a zeppelin. Spencer, in pursuit, ties an anchor cable to the loading platform. Now, this cable eventually pulls the bit of the loading dock that it's tied to off, and Spencer grabs the tie, climbing up to the zeppelin, as Bethany, Martha, and Eddie arrive on the platform, soon joined by Alex and Milo. On the Zeppelin, Spencer's attacked from behind by Jürgen, but with nobody piloting the Zeppelin now, it drifts into a building, allowing Spencer a chance to recover. Now, Jürgen asks who he is, and Spencer smashes the Jumanji... Why do I keep saying Jumanji? All of a sudden... I
0: have no idea.
1: You've you've gone wrong. you have gone wrong. Smash to the Jumanji Berry on his chest, and this reveals a statistic card for Jürgen. Mm-hmm. Which states that he's good at beheading, but weak to the Jumanji Berry.
0: Now... I kind of love that they left it at that for now.
1: Yeah, I do as well. And, now, and if you look at the card, the card is stylized totally different, right? But... I don't know what that means. It 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 clearly means he's not like the other characters, but it means he's not like the NPCs. One,
0: one theory I have is he's a player from a different game because he doesn't... He's not jungle villain. He looks like he's from some, like, Norse thing or something. Mm-hmm. Like, there are other games other than Jumanji and he's happened to, like, come in from the wrong one or, you know... Hacked the mainframe and sequenced the genome. <laughs> um, something like that. I mean, either way, like, my, immi- my immediate, you know, thought is that's another person. Yeah. Who's just, like, gone way, who's role playing, LARPing, essentially.
1: Yeah. So the, the implications for that, and now just uh, not, you know, related to the plot, but it, I believe I uh, read it on the Wikipedia for this one. Um, or I was doing some Googling. I think, I want to say it was The Rock who had said in an interview that, you know, they may be a character in a subsequent sequel. Basically, you know, essentially establishing it as a player avatar of some kind. Yeah. So I am, I'm very curious about it.
0: I would love to see that actor play who he is when he's not role playing as that character, some nerdy online gamer type.
1: There is a another film in the Jumanji universe. Um Zathura, a space adventure? Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, I never saw it, but I remember the, the the film existing.
1: And it is again a, you know, um, kids playing a board game that they find in their basement but it's a science fiction or a science fantasy, you know, however you want to call it. Uh, it was, it's an early John Favreau movie. Actually. I didn't realize that. Um, so yeah, it's in the franchise. And if, if they've established that the original Jumanji is still part of the continuity of this one, it's entirely possible that Zathura is still within that continuity as well. On some level, even though it's not, you know, so connected, it's very much its own thing. Yeah. But that, establishes many worlds that various kids could be playing different games and there could be a connection just between them we could be looking at the start of the jumanji cinematic universe here i would i would watch the jumanji verse right this this could be sony's attempt to have their own verse
0: the concept would stretch really thin before too long yeah
1: but it all works out so well with their You know, kind of...
0: You'd have to wrap it in with other things where people are sucked into things. So if you ropes, like, stay tuned
1: into it. Ooh, I loved Stay Tuned. I wish I could watch it now.
0: Well, (laughs) some aspects haven't aged well. Mm. Well, one act as a pedophile is what I mean. Right,
1: yeah. Yeah, that was th- that was the thing. That was, that the, was thing. the thing I meant. That was the thing I meant.
0: That was the thing. The guy who isn't called Jeremy Renner, and I need to stop accidentally calling him Jeremy Renner <laughs> because I will get sued. <clears throat> Jeremy Jeffrey Jones. Jeffrey Jones. There we are. Yeah. Let's not dwell on let's him. Let's um, let's take it to the next
1: level. Okay. Not in a way he did. No. No. Um, Eddie's freaking out over his grandson's predicament. And Milo, through Fridge, tells him to get on his back. And Spencer is basically just smacking Jurgen around at this point, and the two fall out of the Zeppelin. And as they fall, Spencer snatches the Falcon Jewel from Jurgen's chest and then grabs the anchor tie again, allowing Jurgen to fall to their death. And I sat there listening for a like respawn noise. Mm. It's some um, for the rest of the fucking movie. What if it was someone's last
0: life and they just killed a man? Oh my god. Not even a man. It's like a 10 year old kid oh who got god. really into the game and they murdered him. Wow. Last life. Wow. I'll tell you what, right? Take out that dark implication but next movie it is a kid and was like a 10 year old the whole time that would be incredible because then we'd get to see the hound as a 10 year old kid but him and big and hairy with hyenas it would be amazing they should hire me to write J- Jumanji, Jumanji three. yeah Jumanji oh. That's good. <laughs> I was just going to call it
1: Ready Player One. hey Which is also a Sony-produced film, isn't it?
0: They Put that in. Put that in the universe. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Shit. It's all coming together. We're nearly at the end. We are nearly at the end. Uh, Eddie on his back. Milo takes off at a gallop along the landing platform for the Zeppelin, jumping off the edge to realize that Cyclone actually has big old bat wings and can fly. I'm glad they went batwing, by the way. You don't see that usually with flying horses.
0: No, no, they go for the traditional feathery Pegasus look, right? but this is a black horse, so give it big, cool, black, dragony wings.
1: And so Spencer throws the jewel to Eddie, and tells him to throw it to the to show it to the sun, and the gang waits for Eddie to say Jumanji, which he eventually does. And it's pretty funny. It's nice. And a pulse of green light falls over the land, reviving it. Uh, Together on a mountaintop, the team does a bunch of hugging.
0: That's why you're calling it Jumanji. Mm -hmm. Because I almost guarantee you, I can't quite remember now, even though I watched it like an hour ago. I guarantee
1: you, yeah, he went, Jumanji! (laughs) The team does this bunch of hugging. Uh, Nigel arrives to retrieve the falcon jewel and send them home fridge is ready to hell ready as hell to get out but milo wants to stay saying he's 75 years old and he just learned how to fly and fuck if this isn't some touching shit it was very heartwarming as this asian actress pretending to be a video game character inhabited by a 75 year old jewish (laughs) man says goodbye to the best friend of his life inhabiting the body of a horse (laughs) And I cry.
0: It's an achievement. That alone is an achievement. They give Oscars to the wrong
1: films. D- I cr- I wept at the thing I just described. If that doesn't deserve an award, I don't know what does. The rest of the gang returns to Spencer's basement. Uh, Spencer teaches Eddie how to play Street Fighter V. Eddie's changed his tune on getting old, now saying that it's a gift. Mom comes home for that classic shenanigans happened while mom was away scene. Cut to Nora's, where Fridge can't bring himself to eat cake in the real world anymore. Spencer and Eddie walk in, and Eddie meets with Nora, who tells him that her manager moved to Philly, and she hasn't been able to find a decent replacement. So Eddie offers to help out, and gives her some smoldering intensity.
0: I love this.
1: It's a running gag that I didn't touch on at any point in the synopsis the return of the smoldering intensity and his inability to do it at any appropriate time yeah but i will say see a daddy devito do some smoldering intensity was solid
0: it was solid and the Nora's reaction was just delightful
1: mary Steinberger is oh she's a treasure just a treasure Spencer and his friends declare their eternal friendship, and they all agree, again, never to go back there. Cut to credits, but they're interrupted by Spencer's mom letting a repair guy into the basement to fix the heater, where he finds the broken Jumanji console and fiddles with it, resulting in the sound of drums and a herd of ostriches running past Nora's as the gang steps outside. Like can the film from the 90s! Mm-hmm. When the game
0: came out, you didn't come in the game. Mm-hmm. I must admit, I'm I'm excited about them doing th- that version.
1: I'm looking, yeah, and I'm looking forward to the direction that it goes with this Jürgen thing that's going on, and all of the potential that exists there.
0: I want them to do the hunter again from the original,
1: mm. the the
0: Great White Game Hunter. I mean, I know it would be played by Benedict Cumberbatch. There's no way they wouldn't give him the character. Uh, yeah. But I would like
1: to see the character. So, yeah. There's uh Yeah. That's, that's the next level. We we went to the next level.
0: We took it to the next level. We inhabited the next level. Uh, we're ready for the third level.
1: I am ready for a third level. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, I'm
0: okay with a third one of them, actually.
1: Might, might be a couple years. It was a couple years between these. Um, so, yeah.
0: Yeah. Enough time to squeeze out another Rampage.
1: And enough time to get that whole cast together again, which I'm sure is well, a yeah. challenge.
0: Sure, that's a lot of talent you're packing
1: in. Yeah. Don't know, uh, I would not anticipate DeVito returning, but maybe. That's a possibility. I mean, outside of maybe just a, an appearance, you know, to it's, here's the restaurant again later. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens. I'd like to see if Colin Hanks returns again for a third go-round. Um, and... And, you know, there's still the opportunity for their tragic end, right? Yeah. Yeah, There's, I, they have laid enough cool groundwork in these two movies that I am well and good prepared to go on the ride again for a third one. Um, I thought this was just incredibly good at points. I still think I prefer Welcome to the Jungle because some of this rehash of jokes... Doesn't land as well, even with the added context. Um, some of the remix just doesn't land as hard for me. But it's still consistently funny throughout the movie, at least. Um, I don't at any time feel like it's not making good jokes. It's making jokes I've already seen. But. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I'm ready to do more. What do we want to do next time, though, Chief? <sighs>
0: I feel like there's only one one we could do, mm. uh, which would have to be Sonic the Hedgehog. Mm. Is that already out on digital? Uh, I mean, it must be.
1: Let me see. Digital purchases released on uh, March 31st. Blu-ray, 4K, HD, and DVD May 19th. So yeah, it's out like, out digitally as of a few days ago. So okay. Oh, well, well, there you go. All right. No getting out of it. Yeah. There's no no point in delaying the inevitable. And no. and uh, what I've heard, it, it's apparently good. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, I guess that'll be that'll be next time. Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That's the end of it now. Yeah, the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be.
1: Support Jim on Patreon.